We are recording. You may be recording, but I'm getting a little wheel in my and you're frozen with a stupid look on your face. I apologize for it. It's my face. It's all I got. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. It is the preseason Patriots-Lions joint practices. Patriots football this week kicks off Thursday. Patriots are at Detroit for the first week of the preseason. I cannot wait for football to start in earnest. Rich, how's it going, man? Oh, I am excited. 7.30 p.m. Patriots will be kicking off their season. Oh, that means that the offseason's over. It means we're finally having football again. The long reign of the Patriots being winless should hopefully end soon. There's <laughs> nothing better than watching backups play against backups in the first week of the preseason. Am I right, Alec? I actually, I think something is better than watching backups play backups in the first week of the preseason, and that is some news that came out of Patriots Nation this week. I want to start with this, Rich. I want to get your thoughts on it because it's kind of an interesting situation. Tom Brady reached a contract extension with the team two years, locked him up through his 44 se- age 44 season. However, it's technically only a one-year deal, but it's a two-year deal, and he can opt out, and they can opt out. A lot of weird moving parts I'm excited about the notion of him playing with the Patriots for a couple more years, obviously, but it sounds like this was really more of a, a cap space move than a lock Brady up long term move. You're kind of a resident contract cap guy. I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so what this contract does is void at the end of this year. So, so it's literally just a pay raise for Tom Brady. Uh, kind of just puts down on paper at least how long the team views him to be in their plans and spreads out the cap hit. So it's technically a $70 million two-year extension. I would say that that is probably... Uh, I mean, it's definitely not going to happen. This contract will never come to fruition, but it just means that the Patriots, who converted roughly $21 million of Tom Brady's contract into a signing bonus and guaranteed it, they're able to spread that money over three years of salary cap. And while they're paying Tom Brady $8 million more in cash this year, they are saving $5.5 million in cap space. So that's really helpful. So they'll be able to sign some other players, you know, give some other players some boosts. Kyle Van Noy needs an extension. Joe Tooney needs an extension. Maybe this Tom Brady deal is what frees up the necessary space in order to get those deals to happen. But from a long-term perspective with Brady, there isn't really anything. It just means that Brady is betting on himself this year, that he will do better, perform better with his current offensive lineup than he did last year, or at least play the same level, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, you know, stick around for the remainder of his career. Patriots, I would say, uh, are implying that they'd be happy to sign him to a deal for the next two seasons uh, beyond 2019, so through the 2021 season, where he will be 44 years old. But we won't know that until the end of this year, and uh, you know, the Patriots will have to go through and sign a new deal with him next offseason. It also seems to me, Rich, that it's uh, maybe blaspheming to say this, but it's kind of a smart play from the Patriots' perspective as a team because Brady is 42. He just turned 42 this past weekend. Happy birthday, Tommy B. And there's never a guarantee he's going to be playing at a super high level. He's playing very well still, but he's not 
as good as he was when he was was 36, and of course not, nor should he be. And maybe it's a scenario where they're kind of just gauging his abilities if he can still do it, whether the the Max Kellerman cliff is finally happening three, four years after the project <laughs> is going to happen. That way they're protected. They're not locked into a, a quarterback who just maybe doesn't have the, the wheels anymore. So I don't see really a downside for either side of this this, this, this deal. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense to you, and Brady knows what's happening. He, he is entering new territory, as he said in a press conference on Monday. There's nobody who's been playing at the level he has for as long as he has. Uh, and at this stage in his career, it makes sense to go year by year. I think he understands it um, just because, who knows, all it takes is one injury, and that would be the end of his career. You know, any season-ending injury, it would be incredibly unlikely for him to make a return from it just because, I mean, if there's a season-ending injury, who knows where he will be, how much time it takes to recover. So taking it year by year makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. For Tom Brady, it gets him more money up front. And yeah, I mean, he knows what's happening. He's always been willing to take a little bit less in order for the Patriots to afford another couple players to surround him with. So maybe, uh, you know, Brady is betting on himself that he won't decline after this year. We shall see. I mean, he has over the past three years, I would say 2016 was definitely a high mark for him. He was still very good in 2017 and still I don't think there was much difference between 2017 and 2018, but he was definitely a little bit lesser then, uh, albeit with, uh, you know, Edelman's coming from the suspension, Gronkowski being a shell of himself. So I would say Brady has a lot to prove. A lot of the pressure is on his shoulders, and I don't see a situation where the Patriots are ever going to have to break the bank for him for the rest of his career. I agree with that, and I also would be absolutely flabbergasted if he plays anywhere else but New England. There was always kind of that question, is will Brady finish his career somewhere else, go to San Francisco, play in his childhood hometown? I don't see it happening. There's just no way. He still loves New England too much. He still loves the game too much. He still loves Bob Kraft too much. I know him and Belichick hate each other and there's all this risk and all that crap, but all signs point to him being around long-term and I cannot be happier about it. But he's not thinking about that. In his interviews, he said, I'm thinking about this season. I'm thinking about this year, one year at a time. I'm not going to worry about that now, which is what he has to say and what he should be saying because the Patriots are in Detroit right now for their first time, joint practices with the Lions. It's funny, Rich. I was going through some notes and some rosters and some kind of overall articles on the Patriots Lions getting ready for this podcast today. And I forgot how many former Patriots are either coaching the Lions or playing for the Lions. It's like they're they're two Patriots teams going on right now. Oh, it's really true. And everywhere you turn, I mean, we were just talking about this before the show. We were trying to figure out how many former Patriots were on the Lions right now. And we thought we counted them, whatever. You know, old familiar names. You got your Trey Flowers. You got your Tavon Wilson that everyone should remember. Down to, like, the Justin Coleman's, uh, the Rashawn Melvin's maybe you forgot about a little bit. Darius Kilgo, Eric Lee. I was going through their tight ends, and you look at Austin Trailer, who uh, I don't think anyone who's listening to the podcast should know the name. I would be shocked if anyone did. He spent two weeks on the Patriots practice squad back in 2016. So this goes extraordinarily deep. The Patriots and the Lions, I mean, whatever the Lions want to do, they should probably just look at who are coming off the Patriots during roster cuts and just add them to their team. No, it's true. We have Patriots who are playing in New England. We have the Patriots South down in Houston with the Texans. And now we have Patriots North 
All we need now is a Patriots West, and we'll have we'll have taken over all four corners of this country. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, and I guess it makes sense, right? Bill Belichick's been so successful. His system's been so good. The players that go there do so well. They get poached, and people want to duplicate what the Patriots do. Uh, no coach has been able to do it yet. Matt Patricia had an up-and-down season last year with the Lions. I'm hoping for the best for him this season. But overall, not a lot to report from this first couple of days of camp, Rich. It's not, not a very competitive practices, not a lot of fighting going on. Been kind of up and down for both sides. Offense and defense with both Lions and the Patriots have looked up and down so-so. Not a lot to really glean just yet, but that's okay because that's kind of what we do these first couple weeks of the preseason. We kind of just get our feel for ourselves, get our feet under us, and then when this week uh, happens to come up and the game comes up, we'll see a little more. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the Patriots, we can just talk about who is available for the team right now. The Patriots are a little bit shorthanded. Edelman is not pre- uh, participating. He was present. Same with Demarius Thomas. They're both dealing with their injuries. Rex Burkhead wasn't there. Uh, you know, added Lance Kendricks, who was absent. So there aren't a lot of options on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and if we add in that Isaiah Wynn was not really fully participating and Dan Skipper took his spot on the offensive line at left tackle, uh, there are a lot of opportunities for the depth players on the Patriots rosters to really make some moves. And, you know, they have that opportunity to build a rapport with Brady and to show the coaching staff what they can do. And I wanted to start here because I don't think there's any player this camp that has been turning heads more than undrafted wide receiver Jacoby Myers. He is wearing the number 69 uh, wide receiver. He is six mm-hmm. foot two, 200 pounds out of NC State. Everyone had predicted that he would go in the fourth round, fifth round at the latest in the draft, but somehow he went undrafted. He was a thousand yard receiver at NC State. He has like moderate athleticism, but he and Brady have been on the exact same page for the entirety of camp. They connect every single time they look at each other. I believe that, uh, Myers like had his first incomplete target of the entire camp with Brady, and he has something like 13 catches on 14 targets, something ridiculous like that. Alec, tell me, is Jacoby Myers for real or not? It's so tough, man, because I feel like there's a player like this every single preseason. There's this guy we all kind of fall in love with, be it Ralph Webb, um, <laughs> be it, be it TJ Moe. They're always these kind of these players. They they have these these phenomenal preseasons, these training camps. They look really good, and then the season, the Zach Sudfelds of the world. Remember Zach Sudfeld oh, yeah. lighting it, and you know, and then week one comes along and they disappear. Um, I will say, just given the shallow nature of the Patriots receiving core right now, the fact that the number one guy with Edelman is not going to be playing in this preseason at all, I still have no idea what to expect out of Demarius Thomas. I don't know what's going on with Dontrell Inman. I don't think he's been been much more than a ghost this entire time. So the door is wide open for Jacoby Myers, and he's taking advantage of the reps he's given. I'll be very curious to see when that coveted week three of the preseason comes along, how they line him up. Obviously, Nikhil Harry is going to be the roster lock. He's going to be in there. Edelman is going to be the guy. Philip Dorsett's be the guy. But that's really three receivers. And then there's a lot of question marks. Is it Inman? Is it Thomas? Will Josh Gordon come back? He's finally applied for reinstatement. Myers could sneak in, and if he can show that he's got a good root tree, that he can block well as receiver, very underrated aspect of Belichick's offense is a blocking receiver. If he can play in the slot and the outside, the Z, the X, the Y receiver, yeah, why not? He's a nice big body. As I said in the last podcast, the Pats are going bigger all along the offense, and 
I'd love to see a undrafted rookie come in at receiver where the Patriots have had very little success drafting guys and do well. Yeah, and I mean, you can even factor in Maurice Harris, who was like the darling of the entire offseason until all of a sudden Jacoby Myers just took over this past week. And uh, yeah, Myers is doing a great job. I, I cannot see a reason why he shouldn't be able to continue this trajectory and continue to build that rapport with Brady. So maybe my next question for you then is if you think he has a real chance to make the team, where do you think he'll fall on the spectrum of Patriots receivers? Because in my head, I'm like, uh, maybe he can be a Canberra Tompkins to a David Givens sort of level on that. I don't know how much more he can be from that, but if he can develop into a solid number three receiver, because remember, Edelman and Harry are the only two receivers locked up for the long term on the Patriots. So if you're developing a roster for the future, Myers has a very open spot if he can carve out enough of a role this year that he should be a developmental player. I agree with that. I also wonder if they can utilize Jacoby Myers as a Cordero Patterson kind of Aaron Hernandez-esque kind of gadget player. They line him up in different areas. He, he returned punts and kicks a couple times. They were stopping get guys in and out of the punt and kick return units. He can do maybe some jet sweeps. He can maybe put him in a running back in a pinch. I'd love to see if they can do that with Jacoby Myers. I don't know if he's really got that skill set. I haven't watched enough tape on him in college. I haven't seen enough of him in practice to know if he's really the Patterson mold. But that's really how you make a name for yourself in the, in the Patriots is you find a role on special teams. You find a role on trick plays. You can do three, four positions if you have to. You can, you know, become you can gain twenty pounds and be tight end if you need to be. So I think Myers, if he's gonna limit himself to a receiver, yeah, I think his ceiling is probably Ken Brell Tompkins and his floor is probably Josh Boyce. But I I don't know if he's gonna be a pure receiver versus just kind of a, a kick returner, maybe a gadget guy, a jet sweep guy. That's where I think he's gonna make the most impact. Because with Cordero Patterson leaving, they kinda of lost that. And that's a pretty big element in their offense. It wasn't a, a, a screen lighter or any stretch of the imagination, but they made some big plays from Patterson. They got him a lot. So if Myers can do that, I'll be very happy. Yeah, and Myers was actually a former quarterback when he was recruited to NC State. So maybe he has a little bit of an arm. We could see some more of those trick plays that we saw between Edelman and Amendola. Maybe Myers can participate that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the only real standout I saw uh, on the offensive side this this year, uh, or I guess I should say thus far in camp. There hasn't been too much, and so maybe we should turn focus toward the towards the actual game itself when looking on offense, uh, and then we can talk about the defense in a little bit. Uh, who on the Patriots' offense do you think has the most to gain from this first game against the Lions? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that really also depends on whether or not Tom Brady sees any snaps on Thursday. It's been hit or miss whether he plays. He'll usually play a series, maybe two, then he'll sit out. In the past, he's not played at all. But everyone's very high on Braxton Berrios. He has been a camp standout early, but he's kind of dropped off a bit uh, with these joint practices and Brady has thrown to Myers, he's thrown to Maurice Harris, he's thrown to Philip Dorsett, he's thrown to Nikhil Harry, and he's thrown to Berrios once. Uh, I don't know if Berrios has quite earned Tom Brady's trust. That might not help if Brady's not playing, but if Berrios can maybe show Tom Brady from Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer or whoever is throwing the ball in this game that he can get separation, he can be a slot guy, he can take pressure off the outside receivers, that might help. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I mean, the Patriots do need some help on the slot on the interior side. They don't have someone who mirrors Edelman from a size perspective or a quickness perspective, and Edelman is getting up there in age, so if the Patriots envision the slot receiver being a part of their future, Berrios has his opportunity now to show what he's made of, and he can really try and take advantage of that. Um, I like that. I, I would focus on the tight ends specifically because – Lance Kendricks is hurt. He's not practicing. Ben Watson will be suspended for the first four games of the season. So assuming the Patriots carry at least one tight end, I would say Matt Lacoste is going to be that guy. So I I would envision there should be a big camp battle for who would be the number two tight end. Because the Patriots can't go into the season with just one tight end, right? That would be crazy. So that means that Steven Anderson and Ryan Izzo are going to have to really duke it out for that second tight end spot. Maybe they'll be cut after four weeks when Ben Watson returns. Maybe Lance Kendricks returns to strength and is able to win that spot. But I would say Ryan Izzo and Steven Anderson have the most to prove. And Steven Anderson is a very solid receiving tight end not gonna say he's great but he's solid he's athletic he's put on weight to add to his blocking and if I had to choose a tight end to make the roster I would point out Steven Anderson so I would say that he has a big opportunity in front of him to try and win a full roster spot while we're talking about tight ends one thing that made Gronkowski so great was just that he was such a good blocker and I've gone back and I've watched some 2018 highlights during the offseason and so much of Gronkowski's highlight reel was just him blocking on the offensive line, him being able to either pull in, pull around, seal the edge to go to the outside on the runs. He's just been such a force on the offensive line, which leads me to ask you about the running game on Thursday, Rich. What do you expect to see out of the running game? I know it's very vanilla offense. We're not really game planning, but you see the tight ends being more of uh, being kind of auditioned as blocking tight ends. Or do you see Josh Daniels maybe trying to see what he has as receivers, maybe the gadget guys moving in and out? How do you see tight ends being utilized in the running game specifically, and do you expect them to do a lot more blocking or receiving on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, they definitely need to prove that they can do the run blocking because if they can't do that, then they're not going to see the field, and you might as well just put Dan Skipper out there as the third tight end and just play with three offensive tackles on the field. So uh, they're going to have to show that they can do some sort of blocking out there, and I think that's where Ryan Izzo really has the opportunity to stand out because Lance Kendricks, Matt Lacoste, they are mediocre to less than blockers they have a lot to really prove Anderson is not a great blocker but that was what Izzo was known for in college that's what he has the opportunity to really prove that he's able to carry that into the NFL and if he's going to make the roster it's going to be because he's the best run blocker on the team that said I would say that the Patriots might not utilize the tight end as much as they did in the past because they simply just don't have the talent available and that would really expand the door for James Devlin to have a bigger role in the offense. And I think that would be great. I think it would be fantastic because James Devlin is the best blocking fullback in the entire NFL. So why put on a substandard blocking tight end on the field when you can put James Devlin out there? And if we're talking about receiving ability, Devlin has more career receptions than like all the other tight ends combined. You know, that's not actually true, but he was being an active ish part of the Patriots passing game last year in the sense that, you know, he saw a target a game ish. And if, if that is what you're looking for, I would say, let's just roll with Devlin. You're going to have a running back on the field at all times, but you just don't need to have a tight end. That's a sub standard blocker when you have Devlin available. 
Speak last thing we'll close out the offense with, Rich, because I think it's probably the position that there's the least question marks around. That's the quarterback position. Brady's obviously locked in at the starter. Hoyer's most likely the number two guy. They just drafted Stidham. Very curious to see what he's gonna do. He'll get a lot of reps this this preseason. We've got one more quarterback on the roster that's been lining up as a wide receiver. He didn't have a lights out preseason last year. He had that pretty sweet run against the Giants. Danny Etling. What are you expecting out of him this preseason? Anything? Is he going to be a practice squad guy? I think they'll cut him. Where do you see Andy Etling ending up come come late August? Yeah, I envision him being a practice squad guy. That's what he was doing last year. And the more he can do, the more value he has for that practice squad. So I don't think he – I think he recognizes he's not going to be an NFL quarterback for the Patriots. He just doesn't have that arm for it. Maybe he could land on with some other team to do it, but I don't think that's really the case because – if the team wasn't willing to put a draft pick on him last year, then why would they be super interested in adding him as a developmental player for this year? So looking at what he can do, if he can catch the ball, if he can run the ball, if he can do special team stuff, that is plenty of value. And remember, uh, I forget which Arkansas, uh, Jake Beckett, defensive end for Ark from Arkansas on the Patriots was a third round pick, very big disappointment from a draft perspective, but from a practice player spot, he was able to do linebacker. He was able to be on the defensive line. He was able to play tight end. He could do special teams. He was able to do so much that the Patriots kept him around because there's real value in that. And so if Etling can provide that sort of value, I would not be surprised to see him stick around, stay on the practice squad for a little bit. And honestly, I mean, Brian Hoyer isn't going to be around for the long term. Hoyer, honestly, over the past week or so, has probably been outplayed by Jarrett Stidham which is pretty noteworthy. So I would say that there is no certainty that uh, Brian Hoyer is going to be around beyond this year. So if Etling can stick around on the practice squad for one more season, maybe he could make the active roster as that third guy. Maybe he would be that gadget player that you really were thinking for Jacoby Myers. Maybe not this year, but there could be room for him in the future. Let me remind you, Rich, that Nathan Peterman is currently on the open <laughs> So if that is Nathan true. Peterman can find a roster spot, I'm sure Danny Etling can find one somewhere. Yeah, well, Nathan Peterman has more NFL completions, albeit to the other team, mind you, <laughs> but he has, you know, he, they haven't hit the ground. That's true. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the defense. Defense is probably where the more interesting storylines have taken place from a Patriots-Lions standpoint. Um, one thing I'm going to open with a little fun tidbit based on the uh, fellows over at Pride of Detroit, the SB Nation side that covers the Lions. They're doing great work. Just the Detroit beat guides, people that cover the Lions on the on the ground in the Detroit area. I've heard from several sources that your good buddy and mine, Tavon Wilson, is with the Lions <laughs> having himself one hell of a training camp. Oh, yeah. Apparently he's blanket coverage. He's broken up two passes. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a he's, – he's doing solid – he's like combo blocking. Uh, he's the gunner on punt returns. He is all over the place. And if this is true, I'll be happy to see it because I like Tavon Wilson. I always thought it wasn't really his fault he got drafted so high. But what the hell, man? Yeah, I mean Tavon Wilson has been such a curious player because I don't think he ever had the real chance to do well with New England because you remember he came out 2012 – and he was playing in the starting lineup once uh, Steve Gregory was hurt. But there is this one game where they just got absolutely hosed by the Seattle Seahawks, I believe. That was one of the, the first games. And he was just ghosted. 
after that point, right? I think that that was 2012, and Wilson just was never seen from again. He made the same error twice as the deep safety, and poof, he was gone. He never had a real chance to win a roster spot. The Patriots immediately moved on from him. They got Deron Harmon the next year, and it's kind of history from that point, you know? Then they brought back Patrick Chung in 2014. Uh, Devin McCourty is Devin McCourty, and there's just no spot for him in the lineup. And he moved on. When Bob Quinn joined the you know, former Patriots exec, became the general manager of the Lions, he said, I'm going to bring Tavon Wilson over on a two-year contract. And he won a starting job. He's won a starting job, got an extension, and now he got you know, a $7 million deal for the past two years. And so he has been an important part, shockingly, of this Lions defense. And so very happy for him and also very happy for the other thousand former Patriots on this Lions team. No, it's true. There are so many guys in the team. It's so funny, but we're not talking about the Lions. We're talking about the Patriots. Oh, there's two really? guys. There's two guys I want to talk about on the Patriots. Maybe three if we want to. If we have time. Um, both on the defensive end, because I feel like with Trey Flowers on the Lions, lo and behold, uh, defensive end, defensive tackle are positions that are kind of in the air. Danny Shelton is back, having a good camp. Um, but there's two guys I want to talk about. One is the third round draft pick, uh, Chase Winovich. Yep. Uh, Winovic, I think he's doing really well. He's been very solid. He had two sacks in against, a, or would have been two sacks if you had to finish the play. Pretty expected because third round picks are guys that you expect to at least make some kind of splash in training camp. But however, there's a guy I hadn't even heard of till about two days ago that apparently is just <laughs> lighting people up. And I hope I pronounce it. There's going to be a lot of uh, participants in the Who the Hell is That Guy game I play every August. I think his name is Shalikwe Calhoun or Shalik Calhoun. Shalik Calhoun. Shalik Calhoun. Hall of Fame name already. If, if Shalik Calhoun and Chase Winovic can get together, that's just like a cop duo if I ever heard one. Apparently <laughs> this guy is an absolute nightmare. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So let me tell you stories about Shalik Calhoun. He was Please. a three-time first-team All-Big Ten while he was in college. His final three years, he was first-team All-Conference. So he can play. And... Coming into the draft in 2016, Pro Football Focus had him as one of their most underrated players in the draft. So wasn't getting a lot of praise, but they thought he had all the pieces to be a successful NFL player. And if you're skeptical of Pro Football Focus, note that they gave two of their highest grades to Trey Flowers and Chase Winovich. So Shalit Calhoun is in great company with how they were grading his potential in the NFL. We saw how Trey Flowers really thrived with New England. Winovich is going to, I mean, he's already clearly carving out a spot for the Patriots. He should stick around. But there's Calhoun. He is a great pass rusher, and the big knock was that he was a substandard run defender. And if there's one thing that you need to do on the Patriots in order to win a roster spot, it's be a, a solid run defender. You can do your job there. But when you look at that depth chart on the defensive end, you got Michael Bennett, who's a lock, John Simon is a lock, Chase Winovich, and Dietrich Wise. Those are locks. Last year, the Patriots opted to keep five of them, and one of those players being Keontae Davis. So I did not mention Davis or Derek Rivers. There is a full group of players that are going for this potential, not even a real roster spot. You know, the Patriots will have to hold an extra player in order to keep them. But Calhoun was lining up with the Patriots' first team defense today. And I think that's a great sign for if he's going to actually make the team. And you know what? Uh, if, if the Patriots are able to find a guy off the street who can really contribute, 
more power to him. If he can become that Rob Ninkovich type of player that didn't find have any success elsewhere but is able to settle down and be a clutch third-down sort of guy, I'd be thrilled with that production. Oh, so would I. You know, I, I don't remember him being on the Raiders at all. I have no recollection of this guy playing. I guess he played 10 games as a rookie, was placed on IR, and then he got waived and back on the roster, kind of on and off the roster, practice squad, um, kind of the Ross Ventrone treatment back in back in Patriots land back in the 2013 or so. Great. Good for him. Like you said, it's a pretty crowded backfield. No one's really stood out yet uh, other than Michael Bennett in the early days of camp, but he is the one getting the most noise from the beat people and the people that are actually observing practice. It'd be really sweet if something like that happened. Not holding out too much hope, but you never know. Another guy I want to talk about, Rich, is someone who's pleasantly surprised me because I think I had him as a roster bubble guy. Uh, and the question for him was, will he be the guy that we remember or the guy that Cleveland remembers? And that's Jamie <laughs> Collins. Um, it seems that all signs point to him getting back his early career swagger. Very athletic. He forced a couple of fumbles during a seven-on-seven drill, and he's as fast and as powerful as ever. Anything you've heard about Jamie Collins to make me think otherwise? Well, first off, he's wearing number eight in camp, and I would be thrilled <laughs> if they would actually allow linebackers to wear single-digit numbers because that would be ridiculously baller. I would love yeah. to see that. Uh, but yeah, Jamie Collins has been very good this camp. He's been an active part of the starting defense. He has been forcing fumbles left and right. I wouldn't be surprised if his return is going to remind people a lot of Patrick Chung, who had, uh, you know, fell out of fortune with the Patriots spent one year with the Eagles in 2013 and now has been one of the best and most important players on the defense since 2014. Uh, Jamie Collins is only 29 years old guys. He was an all pro in 2015. So he has the ability. He's made his money with the Browns. I would not be surprised if he was able to find some of that ability that the Patriots just were able to utilize to such great benefit. And I mean, Again, this Patriots defensive front is going to be fantastic. I cannot say that enough. This Patriots defense, top front to back, outstanding. When you're looking at Collins, you also have Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy. We could throw in Bentley and Landon Roberts. There's so much depth here at linebacker that, yeah, Collins is probably going to play a fair amount just because injuries do happen, especially uh, with Hightower being a risk point and Bentley not finishing last year, but... Man, I definitely think Collins can have a big point for this defense. No, I agree. And I think you said in our last podcast, there's always going to be some Patriots who get cut that end up starting elsewhere in the league. And I feel like when this round of cuts comes later on this month, it's going to be a lot of guys picked up very quickly on the Patriots roster. None of these guys are superstars, but they're solid NFL players. just aren't enough roster spots for them. And it's cool to see. It's really nice to have this kind of depth in the defense because, as you mentioned, injuries do happen. It's weird how we're kind of talking about preseason and defense is pretty well set depth-wise. And the real questions are skill position at receiver. It's been a long time since the Patriots offense wasn't the main focal point of the preseason analysis because they were pretty well set with their running backs and their tight end of the of the future and their running and the receivers. But defense, I'm very confident in. Offense is the one I'm most interested to see on, on Thursday when the Patriots play the Lions. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with this defensive side of the ball, uh, I don't think anything will really be settled till you know the final cuts. And as you said, I'm, there will be many players on this Patriots team that find their way elsewhere. I would not be surprised if we saw a couple of these players traded for draft capital. I would say Jonathan Jones. 
is a possible trade candidate, uh, but also other high draft picks like Duke Dawson and uh, Derek Rivers could both also be traded. I would not be surprised by that, especially just due to the just quality of players on this roster. Uh, I would also add a Landon Roberts into the mix as another possible trade. So a bunch of players could get the Patriots, you know, maybe a fifth, sixth rounder, uh, maybe a seventh, who knows. But this is going to be a great opportunity for a lot of players to stand out, get some real competition against the Lions, and I think an important point here, Bill Belichick has really been emphasizing to New England, his whole team, that the Patriots finished last year 3-5 and five on the road. He views that as being unacceptable, and the players know it. They know that they have to do better, and this will be the first step in the entire season of showing that they can come together on the road and face that adversity and win. So what's the one thing you're looking to watch for this Thursday at Lions on the defensive side of the ball? We talked about, you said, the tight end position on the offense, how they manipulate the tight ends. What's your defensive uh, focus on for this game? I'm actually, so I'm not going to highlight a single player, but I will be very curious to know how the defensive front seven personnel is utilized. So are they doing a five-man front? Are they doing a three-man front? They have a lot of talent up on the defensive line. So are they going to have Mike Pennell, Lawrence Guy, and Michael Bennett out there in a 3-4? Or are they going to do a 4-3? However the Patriots utilize these players, and I know it's going to be very vanilla because it's the very first game, I'm just curious to know how this Patriots defense, as they're playing Matt Patricia and the Lions, as Bill Belichick is calling all the shots, as you have a whole new coaching staff, how this defense is going to finally take form for this year. No, that's good. I, and like you mentioned, this is just a vanilla package. You can't go out and look for like a cover two robber against this. It's just not going to be the way it works. I'm going to look on the opposite side of the game. I'm going to go into the secondary. There's so many cornerbacks, defensive backs. I just don't know who they're going to try. They're going to have so many, so much. I can't imagine Gilmore's going to get much time. Jason McCordy won't get much time. So that leaves their second round pick, Jordan Williams. They got Duke Dawson, who you mentioned already, who was basically uh, redshirted last year. Malik Gant. Uh, Nate Ebner, I think, is on the PUP, so I won't be seeing him. Unfortunately, I always love Nate Ebner sightings in the preseason. <laughs> Keon Crossan's there. Uh, J.C. Jackson had a great rookie campaign last year. There's so many players back there. Obi Melifonwu is still on the team, if I don't remember correctly, and yep. he's kind of got a he's a real question mark. So I'm very curious to see how many guys line up in the secondary and who's playing late. One thing you can kind of get a sense of is the guys that are playing late into the fourth quarter are the ones who are really on the roster bubble. Maybe not this early, but as the preseason bleeds on. So if you're curious as to who's going to start a quarterback, I am with you. And we're not going to get any answers on Thursday, but it'll be good to see these guys out there and vying for a spot. Maybe somebody can do something to either stand out enough to make the team this way or do pull a Darius Butler or uh Cravion LeBlanc and go somewhere else to start there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just excited for football to finally start. I, I just want to have these players out there. Um, and so we'll have all more info on patspulpit.com. The game is on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can watch it on CBS if you're in the New England area or was it? Channel 5, WCBV, I don't know what it's actually called in the thing, but CBS, you know where to find it. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the game, and Alec will break it down afterwards. And until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man. Later, man.